Hey everybody, this is Shelly Smith and this is Reads and Weeds. This is my show where I smoke weed and talk about books that I love with people that I love and um, today is so great. I feel like I haven't been here in a long time. A lot has happened. Croptober, of course. Now we're at the end of November 2021, a week before Thanksgiving and I have been de-leafing and trimming weed for what feels like 75 straight days. But it's probably not that much. But I know a lot about scissors and creams that make your hands feel better and uh, how everybody's gardens are doing in Michigan. So good news, bad news. Good news is there's so much good weed in Michigan. I, in front of me, have a whole little dish full of... um, fat half joints, not really roaches, fat half joints that I just forgot I was smoking at some point or one of my friends forgot they were smoking and now they're all mine and I'm going to smoke them during this show. Uh, What else is going on? If you live in Michigan, you probably know about this, but there was some bills. I think it was 5302 through 5304. I could be wrong on that, but group of companies were trying to reduce caregiver rights greatly and home grow rights greatly and everybody raised hell and protested and everything and they are stalled at the moment which is a big old win uh, and more bad news though kinda is the largest recall in cannabis history of retail cannabis products on shelves because Veritas Lab falsified a bunch of tests oh my goodness so if you think you might have shopped in a Michigan dispensary between August and November, there's a likelihood that you need to look at that and check the serial numbers on your products because they weren't really uh, tested well. So there's that. (laughs) Oh boy, it's a wonderful plant. It's a weird industry, but we're here about the books. So the very best thing is happening right now, which is I'm finally getting to talk about Stephen King's book on writing. Yay. (laughs) And when I know a lot of people who love this book, and when I just threw it out there, I think on Facebook or something and said, Hey, who loves this book? Ellie, who is a comedian, she's a friend and she's a writer. And she said, I love this book. And so we finally are getting together to talk about this book. And the book she's been trying to write. And the last time we saw each other, I was officiating her wedding. (laughs) So tell me what's been going on since then. I haven't got divorced yet. Oh, yay. Congratulations. We're going to make it, team. (laughs) It's lovely. Uh, I've just been sitting around. It's getting cold, which means I get sad. Uh, Yeah. I've been reading a lot because uh every time i go on instagram it makes me uh depressed that i'm not more beautiful <laughs> and that turns you to the book yes i'm like all right you to the there's books. no hot people in this book it's just words <laughs> we got a dog and that's that's another Aww. great thing 
Oh my gosh, we wish you'd brought the dog, but I understand Ellie was going to bring the dog, whose name is... Coda. Coda, who is great. And so what is your Instagram handle so people can see pictures of Coda and find out about your comedy? Yes, it is <laughs> Ellie Isn't That Funny. Ellie Isn't That Funny. But we might make Coda his but own Instagram. But the weird thing is that she is so funny. Oh, stop it, you. Oh, it's, yes, yes. Um, so, Stephen King... If you hadn't heard of him, <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's coming up. He's he's making a New making a name for young himself. Writer, yeah, probably in very his, underground. Seventies like, <laughs> has a little cult following. You may have heard of the Stand, the Green Mile, it just a carries few, a few titles. <laughs> yes, yes. And the funny thing is, is I have not read very many Stephen King books. I also haven't. Like, I want to. <laughs> I, I got the stand, or my, my husband bought the stand, and it's sitting on my bookshelf, and it's a, a square. And it's That's making, how thick it is. It's, it's huge. huge. It's huge. You gotta be ready. I have the attention span of a goldfish. Yeah. Like, we're, I'm gonna fail many yeah. times yeah. before I get through it. Yeah, that book is challenging me. Yes. It's looking at me like, you can't read me. I'm like, you're right. You're you absolutely right. Me. Giant square. <laughs> I can't eat a whole cow. I can eat a couple of cheeseburgers, but fuck this book. Not a whole cow. Um, so if you are not lucky enough to have ever read Stephen King's book on writing, I love writing, and I know that if you love writing, that you definitely should read it. Um, for someone who isn't a regular writer all the time, I still think... It's such a precious book. It is. It's precious. It makes me feel like he's talking right to me. It's so personal. I learn about his life. Oh, my goodness. And to know, so for those of you who've never heard of Stephen King before, of course you have. He's a prolific writer, and he does a lot of horror. Yes. His brain. scary things. Yeah, his brain puts clowns in the... In the grates in the street, and yep. puts like rabid dogs yep. that want to kill kids. It's great, <laughs> it's and, but he's great. such like a nice person. Yeah, like all of his interviews, I'm like, oh, he's like a yes. a grandpa. He's the best. He's the best. And so my whole a long time ago when I first read this, because I was, you know, just realizing when I reread it, there's so many marks and so much. There's stains. If you could see my book, so I have the paperback version. And it's underlined, and there's little pages turned up, and there's marks in there. And yep. it's because when I first read this, I think I cried because I was so excited that I had this grand permission to love writing. It gets you amped up. I was so excited. So why do you think it gets you amped up? And tell me why you love it, because I'm just sitting here um, talking about why I love it so much. I guess I love it because it's a mixture of, like, good technical writing advice but also like how he got to how he is and as a writer who deals with rejection like i got a literary agent rejection email literally i don't know 12 seconds before we started taping right it's comforting <laughs> right. in a way it it's like all right like things are gonna suck for a while yeah but they might get better yeah and here's how they can get better Yes. You get all amped up to write, and then you open up the Word document and stare into it for 10 hours, write six words, and then right. weep a little. Right. Or, like, I'll get and just, like, 2,000 words, boom, I'm on it. I'm going to write and write and write and write and write. And about, like, 1,500 words in, I'm like, who the fuck would ever want to read this? When, when I get into, like, a, a pretty deep writing session, 
I just stop and I'm like, all right, I don't know any more words. They're all out there. Right. Don't know a single one. <laughs> right, right. Have you done, so tell me how you started your book. So you have a book that's out there in query, which means you finished it and you're sending it around, shopping it around, and you're writing another book. So tell me about yes. when you started, what they're about, as much as you can. Yeah. So the first one I started actually March 2019. So the month before I started doing stand up because I was bored. I was like, 23 and very aimless <laughs> and I just started typing this like coming of age story and yes, I, yes. I did not have an outline I did not have a plan I just started word vomiting and then I got to like 80,000 words and I was like all right this book oh, that's a lot it was I, I printed her off picked her up at office max or whatever and I was like all right I got my my full book it's done I typed the end I'm gonna read it and this book's gonna slap and then I opened it up <laughs> and it was the biggest dumpster fire oh my god oh it was so did you do a rewrite did you do edits, I or did, did you just write it and then print it i wrote it and then i printed it and then i read it and then i rewrote it twice oh my it gosh. was so bad yeah i learned a lot i don't know i work with outlines now mm -hmm. that helps stephen king does not but he does not look down on those who do right just of a course. different process of course, of course. Yeah. but then uh i got that book pretty well shaped up uh i'm really happy with it and i'm just and is it, it is it like autobiographical or is it more like a composite of coming of age from your experiences yes yeah, yeah it's not really autobiographical it's it's more of like a composite of just like okay, okay. american teenager in sad town okay um, but <laughs> okay. yeah i got some is that reader? the title of it it should be that really flows it honestly <laughs> Have you guys, has everybody read American Teenager in Sad Town? In Sad Town? You want like a One lot word? of syllables in your title. Just to really Clunky. grip people. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the word sad. Yes. <laughs> so, Very. This Christmas, get your love, oh, no. American Teenager in Sad Town. Do you have Town. a teenager you love? Give them the worst book of all time. Make them even more depressed. Okay. So how did you get it to the point where... You felt like, okay, I'm ready to send this out. And then how did you decide who you're going to send it to? Um, So that's kind of, that's a bit of a story. So I got some, I, I wrote it and then I pitched it to some agents at a literary conference, yeah. which was really fun, Um, but it was not ready. But I got feedback from one agent and she gave me some really good uh, tips and advice to rewrite it and um i did and so she's looking at it again right oh, now oh i love it yeah so if she likes it maybe she'll take it and i can bury that little kernel of uncertainty in the backyard and how did you find her like did you go find people who are publishing things like you um that's like a writing? common way but mm -hmm. um i the conference that i was at it just had a list of people of literary agents who'd be there and she seemed cool and she liked she she worked with my genre yeah i was like you seem nice you is seem it fun. new adult fiction is young adult young adult yeah. fiction it's gotcha. like 14 to 18 i think okay yeah okay well and what is the title do you can you say that i think i can well so okay it's a working title i okay. hope i hope they change it okay um, it's called story hour oh okay yeah okay i, I like hope it. it has changed and it's yeah it's all right all right. I like it. Yeah. I like it because it could be anything. Yes. Like, it could be scary. Yep. It could be It could be, be endearing. Yes. It could involve fake dolls. It, it could. could be it could be Stephen King level terrifying. Sure. Sure. Oh, my God. A, a terrifying it movie called Story Hour. <laughs> 
Oh, dear. There's a lot of avenues one could go down. Oh, goodness. A mean babysitter. Yeah, a a haunted children's library. Yes, a librarian that's undead. There's a lot. There's a lot of meat here. There's a lot. We can poke at. There's a lot. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about Stephen King's own writing for a second. So, um, for those of you who know it and love it already, um, you know, you know. So reach out to me and say I loved it too, because Be I want to know. With us. Yes. It's written in two thousand. Yes. Oh. Yes. So it was written in two thousand. And at wow. that time, he was in his 50s, and he was he had told his agent that he was ready to write this book on writing, and then he started working on it, and he was having fun working on it, and he was in the middle of, you know, a summer with his kids and his family, and then he got hit by a van in the yep. middle of the book. And the guy didn't stop driving until he noticed that Stephen King's glasses were on his windshield. Yep. Yep. So this book is significant in so many ways because, like, here's this man who was trying to get what he knew about something very important down. Mm -hmm. And we all need this book. In the middle of it, he was so damaged that he almost just gave up on the book because it hurt him so much to sit. He better not have. I would have fought him. I know. It would have not existed. Four year old me in 2000 would have terrible. Okay. So. Uh, the kind of the way the book is divided up is his background with his mother and his brother, some formative things that happened to him that shaped why he writes the way he writes and how he knew he could write, like his mother encouraging him and him and his brother doing little magazines together. And then it goes into your toolbox, yep. which is amazing. Yes. If you don't have a strunken white or something like that that is controlling the style and grammar and vocabulary that you're writing he takes that up and then he talks about writing as telepathy which is the greatest um talks about alcoholism uh if you did not know uh because i guess i didn't become aware of stephen king that much as a writer until after he'd already gotten sober which was in the 90s but he was a legendary drunk. That's what I heard. I heard, what, what did he call his beer cans? Like, dead soldiers? Yeah. 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 And when they did the intervention, you know, he, he talks about how his wife came in and dumped everything yep. out. And there was Coke spoons and and cigarette, you know, just full ashtrays. And just, it was gross. It was a whole gross scene. Probably... NyQuil. I feel like there was NyQuil in there and beer. He was drinking a case of beer a day. How do you even drink that much liquid? I don't know. Like my tiny bladder would have exploded inside of my body. It seems like he would be hard to get writing done for all the peeing. Yeah, you'd have to like, I don't know, bring your typewriter into the bathroom. Right. Get a toilet perch. A toilet perch. If you could pee while you wrote. Would I? Would you? Would you sit on the toilet? No. No, No. that's too weird. I don't want my computer in the bathroom air. It's too weird. I know. It's weird. There's certain things I don't want to bring. Like a produce shouldn't be in the bathroom. Crossover episode of a person's life. (laughs) No thanks. I wrote a lot of this on the shitter. (laughs) That's why it's so good. Okay. So um, 
Let's see. Oh, wait. I wanted to ask you before I dive too much into this. Tell me about the second book. Because right before we started filming, you said, not filming, recording. Right before we started recording, you said that the first one was sad. (laughs) Yeah. And the second one is more fun. The second one, I wrote an adult rom-com. Because I got, like, really into reading them this summer. Yeah. Because I was just so sad. And I was like, you can't read any more sad. You have to read joyous things only or else your brain is going to fall out of your ears. So I read a lot of like adult rom-coms. I was like, you know what? Try to write one of these things. So it is uh, a contemporary rom-com featuring a comedian because that is all I know and I'm too lazy to do research. (laughs) And basically what happens is she, she leaves her garbage dump of a hometown. She moves to Cleveland, Ohio. She becomes like a pretty big regional comedian she quits her job and she makes her living doing podcasts hosting shows all that jazz Uh, but then her boyfriend breaks up with her she doesn't have money for the rent so she has to go back to Cress, michigan this tiny two stop light town yeah like right way up north i'm pointing at my hand you guys can't see but i can right right and um she meets she reconnects with one of her high school classmates and his just nightmare of a family was one of the topics of her viral joke video oh but he doesn't know and they totally don't fall in love and it totally doesn't get weird (laughs) (laughs) but it was it was i love it was a lot more fun to write this is a oh of course yes it's of course and i'm in the in the process of editing it now and then I will be getting beta readers and giving it to them getting their feedback incorporating oh, yeah. their feedback and then yeeting this one into the void as well yeah yeah Whee. it's exciting I've just started writing about uh all the girls that I trim weed with nice. and it is I would come home after a long day at this farm or another and uh Start talking, sitting in the kitchen, talking to Paul about what happened that yeah. day. And he's, he just said, these are great stories. Yeah, and it's like, write about what you know. Like, you, you don't have to do about, research. Talk it's about life. this. But when I was thinking, so there's a part in here where Stephen King is talking about writing about what you know. He's like, but think, but include your heart and your imagination and whatever research you can do in what you know. Because... When he was writing, he's like, I'm a school teacher. I'm from Maine. I know laundry. I know this. But I also have an imagination. Yeah. And I can imagine a dog. I've seen a dog. I can imagine a rabid dog. Mm -hmm. I've seen a car. I can imagine a car wreck. Mm -hmm. You know, like you write what you know. And it's got to be true. And you got to care about the people and all this. And I, I just sat listening, you know, just listening to dialogue. The way he tells you to just listen to dialogue. And thinking like this dialogue in this trim room is so good. <laughs> it's so funny yep. and ridiculous and practical. And, you know, you could do like short stories or like more long form. You could do like whatever. I know. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Okay. So is there a section of this that you uh, draw from? Love. Um, quote. I think this book has a section that made my skin crawl so much that i almost puked a little bit and it is i believe when his eardrum is drained oh my gosh yes where is it let me see um oh my gosh when he gets it's in the it's it's like within the first 20 pages of the book but it talks about his eardrum needing to be lanced yeah like all the liquid that falls out yes this isn't gonna hurt stevie oh and then he hears the pop 
I read that line and like all of my internal organs just like shivered inside oh, yeah. of my body. It was like absolutely not. This is this is the worst thing I've ever read. Yes. Oh my gosh. So he was he doesn't really talk about his dad. He's pretty yeah. much his mom. Yep. And his mom is cleaning houses and he slightly alludes to the fact that She's the sister that, quote, couldn't keep a man, or at least that's what her family made her feel like. Um, But he uh, is always, like, honoring her. Yeah. Because he would write his stories and then bring them to her. And when he was little, he kind of wrote, uh, copied a story. Yeah, a little bit of plagiarism, but it's fine if you're a child. He's a little kid, and his mom says, oh, you copied this one. You know, why don't you go write one of your own? Yeah. And he wrote one called, okay, here it is. So this is very early in the book. He's talking about starting to write. So um, I showed a copycat hybrid to my mother, and she was charmed. I remember her slightly amazed smile as if she was unable to believe a kid of hers could be so smart. Practically a damn prodigy, for God's sake. I had never seen that look on her face before, not on my account anyway, and I absolutely loved it. She asked me if I'd made up the story myself, and I was forced to admit I had copied most of it out of a funny book. (laughs) She seemed disappointed, and that drained away much of my pleasure. At last, she handed me back my tablet. Write me one of your own, Stevie. Those combat Casey funny books are just junk. He's always knocking someone's teeth out. I bet you could do better. Write one of your own. So then he's so excited. Yeah. <laughs> he's so excited. And he wrote one called about Mr. Rabbit Trick. It was a story about four magic animals who ride around in an old car helping out little kids. Their leader was a large white bunny named Mr. Rabbit Trick. He got to drive the car. The story was four pages long, laboriously printed in pencil. And I think about like when you're a parent or if you have a niece or nephew or any little kid mm-hmm. that brings you a little staple The book, most precious thing you like, have ever seen in your entire the life. Cutest the best thing. text to exist. Yes, it's the cutest thing in the entire world. But that actually sounds like a good story. The yeah. Mr. Rabbit Oh my God, story. I delivered so many like garbage dump stories to my poor mother. Yes. But yes. I also wrote a lot. So they'd be like 20 pages of trash, which is yeah. so much worse than like three pages <laughs> It's like, here, Mom, I made this. Tell me how good it is. So instead of you sitting and watching her read three pages real quick and be like, it's really good, honey, you had to sit and watch her read 20 pages. Yep, and I, I, I wanted her to save her every word. Because when you're 10, I was like, that's literary genius. Uh-huh. As uh-huh. I think all my own stuff is now, and then I read it again the next day, and I'm like, that's garbage, and you should be ashamed. Yes, yes. So, okay, were you going to read something? Oh, no, I just... um. We, we can move on to this passage in a minute. Did you have something else about the, the first one? No, I oh. was just starting to think about how, because you talked about his ear. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I love about this book is he's very um, visceral. He's yep. very visceral. Like from the very beginning, his life was very like, he was sick. He was, scr- he, you know, had to get his ear. Yep thing done he had to drink the pink stuff yep. for his throat yep. like he was a mess and people got hurt and people got burned and there was this machine at his mom's work called the mangler yep 
Yes. All the, those laundry stories. If I oh worked at that laundry gosh. place, I would have been sucked into one of those industrial dryers and killed like 20 seconds into my oh, first yeah. shift. I'm oh, dumb. yeah. I would so have done it, it. It makes sense to me how he writes because he has this sort of blue collar talk that he has got so down. Yeah. And it's so perfect and so and voicey and like it's, pervasive oh yeah oh yeah and he writes that way talking to us in mm-hmm. this book but then in his books mm-hmm. you realize oh oh that's what he's so good at yeah and you can see where the sort of the horror comes from yeah just like anything can happen mm-hmm. yeah ah. this is one of my favorite ones uh, i think we have different editions right oh. mine is number 34 on page 95 or 94 so yours might be different but i'll just read it it's a little mom's eyes went from dave to me dave to me dave to me she had gone from 160 pounds to about 90 her skin was yellow and so tightly stretched that she looked like one of those mummies they parade through the streets of mexico on the day of the dead we took turns holding the cigarette for her and when it was down to the filter i put it out my boys she said then lapsed into what might have been sleep or unconsciousness my head ached i took a couple of aspirin from one of the many bottles of medicine on her table dave held one of her hands and i held the other under the sheet was not the body of our mother but that of a starved and deformed child dave and i smoked and talked a little i don't remember what we said it had rained that night before then the temperature had dropped and the morning streets were filled with ice we could hear the pause after each rasping breath she took growing longer and longer finally there were no more breaths and it was all pause yeah oh my god yeah that hits hard and then the next the next little vignette here Mm -hmm. Uh, my mother was buried out of the congregational church at southwest bend the church she'd attended in methodist corners where my brother and i grew up uh Oh, I butchered that. Uh, The church she attended in Methodist Corners, where my brother and I grew up, was closed because of the cold. I gave the eulogy. I think I did a pretty good job, considering how drunk I was. Yeah. How was that so funny and the saddest thing I've also ever read? Yeah. Yeah, because he's honest. Yep. He just put it down there. He doesn't dodge it at all. And then that leads right into him talking about getting sober and how... So this was, when I first read this, I was dancing around the room at this part because this, what he calls is the Hemingway defense. Um, (laughs) Someone being told they need to get sober and they're an artist and they have to say, you don't understand my tortured soul and the fact that I have to drink to be creative. And basically he's saying that it's so much bullshit and realizing that like he wrote The Shining <laughs> that he didn't even realize he was writing it about. Like when he wrote The mis- Misery mm-hmm. and The Shining, he talks about like, how could I not, how obvious is it that that's about a trapped alcoholic man? Yep. Completely. Yeah. It's completely a misery. Uh, someone's trapped a writer and won't let him up until he finishes writing and tortures him. It's like... Yeah. Yeah. That's everyone. Yeah, yeah. That's your stuff. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. And then in the telling of this story, so Tabitha, his wife, and I'm just saying that because in this book, that's how she's introduced. I recently read something oh. where um, there was a, a reporter. This was in the last three years. I can't remember exactly when it was, but somebody said, Stephen King and wife donated yep. this, da 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 and everybody went fucking off on yep. that reporter. Yep. It's like she has a name. Didn't she She's respond? Oh, she yeah. did. Yeah, and it was like 
Tabitha King, or it was her name, and then like yeah, husband. yeah, yeah, King, and everybody kind of came to everybody kind of came to her defense because yep. she has her whole own career and anything. But what's sweet in this book is just to see the way he talks about her. Adorable. He it's adorable. I want somebody to talk about me like that, but I married an engineer. <laughs> he doesn't know words, so. <laughs> He meets her in a writing class, and he really likes the way she writes. He's basically saying, okay, so I'm trying to get out two things here. One is how he talks about Tabitha. Two is the way he talks about her writing. So one is Tabitha. You can tell the amount of respect that he has. She is his ideal reader. He's the person that she's always writing to. Um, She takes zero shit i love her and i wonder if she's accepting <laughs> applications for friends i know javitha we do a little show called reads and weeds <laughs> and whatever you send us will be immediately on the schedule it could be a hate letter and we'd still love you it. um oh for sure a hate letter from like, about King. us like all the things about us she doesn't like <laughs> we read it and just crush it could be a roast a roast tabitha please roast please. ellie I'm and shelly begging you <laughs> i'm pleading we want it um but also when he first meets her he talks about how her poem has good structure and makes sense and he's in this class that he can i he, read it is that weird yes okay no I've no, no. Right and talk about how he if you can talk about how he throughout the book kind of let you know he's not into frou-frou bullshit writing things because yes. that's my favorite i'm trying to find um i'm gonna smoke yet another one of the big fat roaches that are in the small dish in front of me i'm Here gonna I stare go. at these words until i find a perfect example of what you just described yeah here i'll start with the okay. poem this is start the with the poem this is the poem that his wife now wife tabitha yes. um, one of the poems that was in the class when he met her oh yes this is written at the time tabitha spruce and it's called A Gradual Canticle for Augustine. And I don't know how to pronounce anything, so don't yell at me if I ruin it. Uh, the thinnest bear is awakened in the winter by the sleep laughter of locusts, by the dream blustering of bees, by the honeyed scent of desert sands that, car- that the wind carries in her womb into the distant hills, into the houses of cedar. The bear has heard a sure promise. Certain words are edible. They nourish more than snow heaped upon silver plates of, or ice overflowing golden bowls. Ships of ice from the mouth of a lover are not always better, nor a desert dreaming always a mirage. The rising bear sings a gradual canticle, woven of sand that conquers cities by a slow cycle. Uh, his praise seduces a passing wind, traveling to the sea, wherein a fish caught in a careful net Here's a bear's song in the cool scented snow. That's just nice. That's just like it's lovely. Nice. Like I'm not nice. good at po- like I took one poetry class my senior year of college and I sucked at it. But my- well, I love it because I'm like, okay, now I want to go back and study it. And then he yeah. lays it out for you yeah. why she likes it. So go a couple pages back and yeah. read one of the stupid ones. Doesn't he have a couple of like these poems are dumb and people say things <gasps> like this. Is that in there? I feel like it is. I'm just totally not prepared because oh, okay. I did not study for the podcast because I'm things, a bad student. One of the things that, he, that I love about him, and if you don't know this about Stephen King, perhaps you'll find it as charming as I do. He 
doesn't want any bullshit big words when regular words will make sense. Yeah. He doesn't want anybody to be like, I don't know, the theme is just like it resolves things and he doesn't need any of that shit. He wants stuff to make sense yep. <laughs> structurally and tell the truth and not be bullshit frou-frou. So he breaks down what that means, that poem. Because nobody else, there were other people in their class who would go, I don't know, if you have to ask what my poem means, you know, it means something different than yeah. ev to everyone. He's like, no, it doesn't. It means something. And Tabitha knew what it meant. She, the, the things, all the symbolism meant something. The yeah, structure I mean, was great. Here, I'll read, I'll read a little bit after the poem, if that's okay, what he wrote. Yes, yes. All right. Uh, and I'm going to read this better out loud because for whatever reason, I cannot read italics out loud, but regular <laughs> letters are fine. Why okay. is my brain this way? Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Probably because all I feed it is Diet Mountain Dew and anxiety. Yeah. And it's just pickled itself in there. Yeah. It's swimming in a pool of its own. 8 a.m. Wake up. Anxiety. Diet Mountain Dew. Yep. That's Boom. how we do. <laughs> that's, the, that's the breakfast of champions right there. Yum. <laughs> Uh, there was silence when Tabby finished reading. No one knew exactly how to react. Cable seemed to run through the poem, tightening the lines until they almost hummed. I found the combination of crafty diction and delicious imagery exciting and illuminating. Her poem also made me feel that I wasn't alone in my belief that good writing can be simultaneously intoxicating and idea-driven. If stone-sober people can fuck like they're out of their minds, can actually be out of their minds while caught in the throat, why shouldn't writers be able to go bonkers and still stay sane? And still stay sane. Uh, there's a work ethic in the poem that I liked, something that suggested writing poems or stories or essays, had as much in common with sweeping the floor as with uh, mythy moments of revelation. There's a place in A Raisin in the Sun where a character cries out, I want to fly, I want to touch the sun, to which his wife replies, first eat your eggs. Yes, and then he does the callback for Eat Your mm -hmm. Eggs. When he's talking about Hitchcock's wife. Oh, God, I don't remember that part. He talks about how it's, you have to have an ideal reader that won't take your shit, and he talks about Hitchcock's wife, and when Hitchcock was getting popular, he would send around his manuscripts to friends, mm -hmm. and they'd be like, it's wonderful, it's wonderful, you know. And when he screened mm -hmm. Psycho, they screened Psycho for a small group of friends, and his wife was like, Janet Lee was breathing. The actress was breathing. She was supposed to be dead. <laughs> He's, you know, like, nobody would say shit. And except was, for her. Except for her. And we love her and he, So she it. said, he said, aren't Legend. I great? And, and she said, yeah, eat your eggs. Like, that's the way Stephen King yep. he calls back, eat your eggs, and I forgot. That's my favorite thing. Wow. Yes. Then there was a little bit of, like, breaking down the poem. So the next part is, in the discussion that followed Tab's reading, it became clear to me that she understood her own poem. She knew exactly what she had meant to say and had said most of it. St. Augustine, A.D. 354 to 430, uh, she knew both as a Catholic and as a history major. Uh, Augustine's mother, a saint herself, was a Christian, uh, his father a pagan, uh, before... Did I say that right? I think so. Before his... Con I'm bad yes. at pronouncing. Uh, before his uh, conversation... Conversion? Wow. My brain is dying. Augustine <laughs> pursued both money and women. I don't know. It's really cool. Like, yes. she knew what she was she saying, what she and was they saying, all got to interpret it. communicating. Yeah. Yes. And so, we love Tabitha. Please write a roast of us. Please and make fun of our toe shapes <laughs> and hairlines. I don't know. I got terrible uh, for both. There's plenty of material. Oh, there's plenty the of wealth. material. Okay. So, this is what... One of the things when I think about this book that immediately makes me love it again. And now that I know that he was right in the middle of writing this, 
when he was in the accident. <laughs> it blows my mind. So the title of this chapter is called What Writing Is. And the first sentence is telepathy, of course. That's He talks about sentence efficiency in a bunch of different ways, from attribution to eliminating adverbs. Yes. And you can open a book, and if it's going to be easy to read and enjoyable, you can kind of tell by the way it's laid out and how much space there yeah. is, which is so true. And I'd never thought about how I grab a book off a shelf, and I either go, ooh, I'm ready to dive mm -hmm. into this right now, if it's got short little paragraphs yep. with lots of space, yep. but if it's just big Walls chunks. Walls of text. I'm yeah. like, I can't do it. No. Goldfish brain does not no. compute. Not no. today. Sorry, can't. But one of the things he talks about is telepathy. So he describes writing as telepathy, and then he explains it by saying, my name is Stephen King. I'm writing this first draft of this part at my desk, the one under the eave, on a snowy morning in December of 1997. There are things on my mind, summer worries, bad eyes, Christmas shopping not even started, wife under the weather with a virus, summer good things, our younger son made a surprise visit home from college, I got to play Vince Taylor's brand new Cadillac with the wallflowers at a concert, but right now, all that stuff is up top. And the thing is, is I'm, I'm stopping the quote now. He just paints this picture, and already, as soon as he says telepathy... And he starts describing you, you get it. You get the fact that it's time travel and telepathy. It's, yeah. it's, I see him sitting there. I see his worries. I see him sitting there at the desk. He puts you right there with him. He's right there. And then he talks about he's re sending a message, transmitting in a state of mind. Can I read one of my favorite parts? Yes. Uh, this is, I guess, we also, why, why am I saying page numbers like you have my exact edition, all of you out there in your arms? I don't know. Yeah. But, um, uh, we'll it's in try. the same, it's in the same chapter. Okay. Um, you can approach the act of writing with nervousness, excitement, hopefulness, or even despair. The sense that you can never completely put on the page what's in your mind and heart. You can come to the act with your fists clenched and your eyes narrowed, ready to kick ass and take down names. You can come to it because a girl, or excuse me, you can come to it because you want a girl to marry you or because you want to change the world. Come to it any way but lightly. Let me say it again. You must not come lightly to the blank page. I think that's cool. Oh, yeah. Like, you gotta have intention. Mm -hmm. You can't just flop your body in front of a Word document. Yeah. Yeah. Which I've done a lot and it's not the best. Yes, I don't know what section it is either. Is he also talks about like not coming to the page unless you're going to tell the truth and you're going to, he doesn't use the word authentic. I don't think that's the word he uses. But basically, if you notice that sappy memoirs are really big and so you go, I'm going to write a sappy memoir too, mm -hmm. then you can smell it. You can be like, oh, this person's trying to write a sappy memoir. Yeah. Uh, it's trying too hard yep. <laughs> or the oh mystery you know lawyers like John Grisham was truly writing about what he knew mm -hmm. and had a great imagination and great pace so people that came after him seemed like they were trying to write like John yeah. Grisham instead like, of like themselves yeah, write like you yes yes don't copy someone yes. that's hard and writing like you takes less effort so you should do that Yes, yes. Okay, here's the thing about telepathy. Is he says, uh, 
in my book, it's on page 105. Maybe yours is near then. <laughs> but it's right after one of the things that we just read. So look, there's a table covered with a red cloth. Or is on it is the cage the size of a small fish aquarium. In the cage is a white rabbit with a pink nose and pink-rimmed eyes. In its front paws is a carrot stub upon which is contentedly munching. On its back, clearly marked in blue ink, is the numeral 8. Do we see the same thing? We'd have to get together and compare notes to make absolutely sure, but I think we do. And the thing is, is he's just telling you, look, I sent you a picture and you got it. You got to read the words, make Ah! a picture in your brain, and I gave them to you. And I gave them to you, and there's 30 years between us or whatever right now. And it's still there. Yes, and it's still just living there in everybody's brain. I love that. And then he says... I'm skipping past the paragraph because um, he's talking about the cage can be a little different. You know how big the size of the yeah. rabbit is, the table, you know, but it basically we're all looking at a ca- cage on a table with the rabbit. And he says, you didn't ask me. I never opened my mouth and you never opened yours. We're not even in the same year together, let alone the no. same room, except we are together. We're close. We're having a meeting of the minds. I sent you a table with a red cloth on it a cage, a rabbit, and the number eight in blue ink. You got them all, especially that blue eight. We're engaged in an act of telepathy. No mythy mountain shit, but real telepathy. I'm not going to belabor the point, but before we go any further, you have to understand I'm not trying to be cute. There is a point to be made. And then that's where you talked about coming lightly to the page. And I have to say that the first time I read that, it was. It seemed so magic. Yes. <laughs> Just yep. that's what it is. That's why I love reading. That's why I love yep. writing. It's because you're trying to. You're trying to even. At, that's even how I feel about comedy. If I'm sitting and writing, mm-hmm. I get something that's funny, just like a blup, and I want to go say it into my phone or write it down so I can remember mm-hmm. it because I'm already picturing the way it's going to land yeah, how over there, how I'm yep. going to transmit mm-hmm. this so that like, and what is the structure of the words that can best transmit this exact picture that I have yep. and what doesn't do that, mm-hmm. you know, what with the editing. So, oh boy. That's a good book. I love it. Okay. So one of the things I want to ask you since you just did such a huge writing project yes. is, is there any... Um, grammar or structural things that just blindsided you as you were trying to write a whole book? Like, did you realize you used it, used too flowery of attribution? Did you find that you struggled with dialogue? Did you find that paragraphs were hard to start and stop? Like, was there anything that sort of hit you upside the head? Yeah. Oh, God. I'm, like, thinking back to my first draft, my first book, and what just, like, an actual dumpster fire it was. God, there was so much wrong with it from, like, a technical standpoint. <laughs> I don't know. I used, like, passive voice too much, okay, I think, instead yeah. of active voice. So I, I worked on that. Yeah, sometimes my, like, n- like my paragraph structure, like, the narrative form just didn't make a ton of sense. Yeah. Because um, I write a lot of dialogue and just, like, formatting that correctly so it, like, reads how you want it to read the people you want to say the thing are actually the ones saying the thing mm-hmm. oh god can i talk about my favorite part of this book oh yes yes it's please. um 
it's in the toolbox section and it it says how the best dialogue tag is said wait let me try it it's a great yes yes oh here it is um the best form of dialogue attribution is said as in he said she said bill said monica said if you want to see this put uh stringently into practice i urge you to read or reread a novel by larry mcmurtry i don't know who this person is um yeah there's there's a bunch of there's a bunch of examples like put down the gun utterson jekyll grated never stop kissing me shana gasped, gasped. you damn tease bill jerked, jerked out. out what <laughs> i feel like every sixth grade child had an english teacher where there was an assignment where you had to write something could be anything but you weren't allowed to use said and they'd give you a handout and it would say said is dead and there'd be like 30 different talking verbs what and at first i was like oh my god this is so cool there's so many talking verbs and then when i'd actually like write something like that it's the most awkward thing to it read is. it is like it because every time you use a big one it like takes you out for a second like takes you out of the narrative it and, does like, the exchange it does you got to grab a dictionary or a thesaurus and figure out what you just read yes i just realized that one of the things this book did when i first read it and i'm remembering it now is i felt like i was a discerning reader for yeah. a lot of my life just because i've been a voracious reader mm-hmm. But when I read this book, I started realizing, oh, that's why I didn't like that book. Or that's why I don't love that writer. Or that's why I don't yeah. like that style. Is because need he has this thing about adverbs and how adverbs are not your friend. And one of the first The road to hell is paved with adverbs. With he will shout it from the rooftops. And I realized that I used to think that they were so important. Yeah, because it would just it'd be like a so little important. extra bit of spice to show how sure. something was done. Somebody's doing something playfully, but or angrily, angrily. yeah, or jerked outedly. I don't or know. That's the worst outedly. thing I've ever seen. Yes, yes, and passive voice. Yep. The timid fellow writes, "The meeting will be held at seven o'clock because that somehow says to him, put it this way, and people will believe you really know." Purge this quizzling thought. Don't be a muggle. Throw back your shoulders, stick out your chin, and put the meeting in charge. Write, the meeting's at seven. There, by God, don't you feel better? (laughs) The body was carried from the kitchen and placed on the parlor sofa. Freddie and Myrie carried the body out of the kitchen and laid it on the parlor sofa. So, if you don't have someone... (sighs) This made me want to get an editor. Did you do you have an editor for your book? Someone that works or No, but I have a very educated, very honest mom. Oh who has an okay. English degree and is totally cool with taking me down a peg. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, what has that been like? Um, so she didn't read my revised manuscript that I just sent to the agent who requested it. But right. she read the first thing I sent to that agent, so like the second old or second newest edition but um yeah no it was weird because she kind of treated me like a client like she she gave me like lots of feedback oh that's like, great yeah no it was but i was like oh i kind of thought you'd just say good and like give me a, a sleeve of thin mints and send me on my way <laughs> i was like isn't it good mom <laughs> eh. 
No, but she's really good at what she does, and she doesn't charge me, so. Oh, that's wonderful. That is good. I want a writing class. Well, I'm kind of bummed. I have to say, so I was signed up to take the um, Planet Ants sketch writing class, and then I looked, like when the schedule came Mm -hmm. out, I realized there was conflicts on Uh, almost every, there was just an event or something. I would have to miss this one because yeah. I was always going to be out of town and mm-hmm. I had to cancel it. And I'm good with assignments. I'm good with someone saying, do this a little better, yeah, shorter, longer, add this, don't, mm-hmm. you know, and have been craving that. So it was such a bummer to drop that class. I'm going to pick it back up in January. But one of the things this book does is realize how lucky I am to have, it's like he's sitting beside you going, listen. You don't need some of the shit you think you need, but you need the basics. You need to know how to write good sentence structure. You need to know what moves the story along. But he doesn't spend much time on character development, right? Yeah, no, I guess I noticed that too. Yeah. So, So one of the things that if you've ever done improv, long form improv, you can't start out with a plot because you're playing with people who might have something else in mind. So you get up on stage and you get a prompt and you follow whatever the characters are doing. You just do it that way because you don't know the plot. That's why I sucked at improv. The one class I took and was garbage at. I fucking love it. But this is what reminds me of him is he feels like he's watching them. Yeah. He lets them, he talks a lot about one thing crossing with another thing. What if a girl develops telekinetic powers and it has something to do with her uh, starting her period? And what if also she goes to the school where everyone's just assholes to her? Boom, Carrie. She just lets everybody be who they're going to be to each other. Ugh. Can I go to a, a different weird yes, car? Yes, please. Jump I'm just, right. I just, this is what I've been doing for a couple of days. Oh. Literally, I'll call Paul in here and just go, hey, listen at this. Listen at this. So I'm just all over the place with that's, this book. So please. That's my favorite. Please. He's like, I was on YouTube because I don't have a life. And somebody was <laughs> ranking all of like the Stephen King books. Uh-huh. And they owned all of these books. And it took me a minute to realize the background of their YouTube video was all of his books. That's so many books and yes. so many words. And just, here's a page. It's yes. 153 in my edition. I used to tell interviewers that I wrote every day except for Christmas, the 4th of July, and my birthday. <laughs> that was a lie. I told them that because if you agree to an interview, you have to say something, and it plays better if it's something at least half clever. I didn't want to sound like a workaholic dweeb, just a workaholic, I guess. Uh, the truth is that when I'm not writing, I... Or excuse, oh, Nope. The truth is that when I'm writing, I write every day, workaholic, dweeb or not. That includes Christmas, the 4th, and my birthday. At my age, you try to ignore your goddamn birthday anyway. And when I'm not working, I'm not working at all. Although during those periods of full stop, I usually feel at loose ends with myself and have trouble sleeping. For me, not working is the real work. When I'm writing, it's all the playground, and the worst three hours I ever spent there were still pretty damn good. 
Well, I used to be faster than I am now. One of my books, The Running Man, was written in a single week. An accomplishment that John Creasy, Creasy, I don't know, uh, would perhaps have appreciated. Although I have read that Creasy uh, wrote several of his mysteries in two days. I think it was quitting smoking that slowed me down. <laughs> Nicotine is a great synapse enhancer. The problem, of course, is that it's killing you at the same time it's helping you compose. Still, I believe the first draft of a book, even a long one, should take no more than three months. The length of a season. And that broke my brain. Really? I guess because my first book, the one I, I sent out, I guess I didn't know what I was doing, so it took like... I wrote for like four months, and then I took six months off, and then I wrote for another four... Like, or no, I, it took over a year from like start to finish. Yeah. But my the one that I just finished took a lot less long. But still, like, could you write 400, 500 page book in three months that just that melted my brain well 80,000 so words 80,000 and his words. are longer his are like yeah more than probably 100 some of them yeah well I tried to do national novel writing month a few oh god it was a long time ago now that I think about it, it was probably like 2011 or yeah. 2010 or something I can't remember but I was working with that little place downtown Ann Arbor, where it's a place where kids get tutored, but it's called a robot store. 826. 826. I was working for 826 and doing little after-school things with them. And the kids all say, are you going to do National Novel Writing Month? And I didn't know what that meant, but I said, oh, yeah, I'll start. And I really tried. I probably did like 36,000 words. And maybe I still know where they are. I don't know. They're out there. They're out there. And... The hardest thing for me was I felt like my characters were walking off and getting foggy. I was like, "Wait, come back! Where did you go? I let you I let you get too far outside of the confines of the story." Yeah. That's what I found so freaking challenging. Was like, how do I keep all these people in, in a smaller mm-hmm. world while making them bigger people? Yeah, instead of having them just like trundle into the wilderness. And you're like, yes. Okay. Bye. Yes. Where'd that person go? And he talks about one author who doesn't... That There's some hard and fast rules about not introducing characters unless you're going to have something do with them. Do you remember this quote? Kind this of. Guy sees some, somebody sees him at a cocktail party and he says, what happened to that character? And he's like, oh, you know, I... I forgot about him. <laughs> oh, I don't remember <laughs> that. John Covey. Oh, no, no, no. I That's read this like all the way through like a year ago. But then I pick it up like yes. every couple months and yeah. just like read a, a Dip section. In. Yeah. Dip in. But, oh, my God. Nash, Nano. Is it NaNoWriMo? Is that the thing? NaNoWriMo. Yeah. NaNoWriMo. I was going to like every year. I'm like, it's my year. November. <laughs> but okay. Why does it have to be November? Like with all of the holiday stuff? You got like a, a five It's day. just to get your stress yeah. started Ugh. early. Like they know you're sick from sugar yep. from the night before. Yep. And they're like, and you got to go see your family again in December. Right. So this so month uni- is going like to suck a, It's too. like stress mm-hmm. training. Yep. It's stress training. I was every year. I'm like, I'm going to do it. And then I don't. It's just a way to force yourself mm-hmm. to do something. It's not the way to write. It's a way to build a habit. It's a way to build a habit. Yeah. It's the way to just see what mm-hmm. would happen if you tried something. If you had something. to write every yes. single day. Yes. Yes. Do to do one of the things that he also we were talking about how he doesn't really plot things out. Mm-hmm. Okay, he follows the story 
that's what's fascinating is he cares about grammar Mm -hmm. he cares about dialogue he follows the story but he's never going to give you like an abc this is how to lay out the structure of a book he doesn't do that he doesn't do that he just says like with carrie he says there's a girl she's like a picked on girl in a small town and she gets these telekinetic powers she can move things with her mind and she he didn't sit and think blood is the through line. Mm-hmm. He went back and read it and thought, oh, there's a lot of blood. Yeah, uh, he'll I discover if that stuff. matters. Yeah. yeah. I guess it does matter, but I think you that's know, I don't cool. beat you over the head yeah. with it, you know. So misery, the same thing. He didn't come out and say he didn't lay it on. That's why he doesn't talk too much about theme. So you've never read the stand? I have not. It's staring at me angrily. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All thousand plus pages of it. Yes. Yes. So many dead trees. They're so upset. He got writer's block in the middle of the stand. Do you remember that? No, I don't. Dang it. What page? So I'm on page 204. Maybe it's around there. Yes. Okay. No, I think I'm, I'm there too. He is seeing really clearly in the eye of his imagination the traffic jam plugging the dead tube of New York's Lincoln Tunnel to the sinister Nazi ish rebirth of Las Vegas under the watchful and often amused eye of. Randall Flagg. All this sounds terrible, is terrible, but to me the vision was strangely optimistic. This is fascinating. I'm breaking out of this right now, but basically there's an energy crisis in the 70s, and he's just so sick of hearing about the energy crisis and how much energy we suck up. And when I was reading that, I thought, that's what the pandemic felt like for me. was like, you know, kind of like, oh, we just fucked everything up, and it made everybody have to stop and... Yeah, everything went to hell, so now we all have to be in timeout. Yeah, we're all in timeout. So anyway, I liked my stories. I liked my characters. And still there came a point when I couldn't write any longer because I didn't know what to write. Like Pilgrim in John Bunyan's epic, I had come to a place where the straight way was lost. I wasn't the first writer to discover this awful place, and I'm a long way from being the last. This is the land of writer's block. And... What he is talking about here, it, this is a section that starts with editing, mm-hmm. like to make things clearer mm-hmm. and to make big changes and things like that. And he's using this story about the stand to talk about how sometimes you have to blow it up, like literally yep. cross out actual characters in the same way that you edit your book. And he so... He creates a big explosion and literally like kills a bunch of people and it solves problems. <laughs> it just comes to him yep. like, boom. Oh. If there's one thing I love about so this is on page 204. And he talks about how amazing it was to come out of writer's block. Just bam. If there's any one thing I love about writing more than the rest, it's that sudden flash of insight when you see how everything connects. I've heard it called thinking above the curve, and it, it's that. I've heard it called the over logic, and it's that too. So exciting. Like, I mean, I don't have moments like that big because, I mean, I wish I did, but um, I don't write about things of such magnitudes i write about you know sad people liking each other but sometimes i'll just be like i'll be in the shower or like on a walk or like at work and i'll have this idea of like something that'll connect to the the uh, you know something i can write now that'll connect to an earlier part of the book and i immediately type it into my phone yes i'm like oh my gosh something that'll like i don't know make me sound like i knew what i was doing the whole time 
yes. amazing. Yes. Oh my gosh, it's wonderful. I am just gonna look at the time here real quick. We're okay, going to yeah. a comedy show together. We're going Two to friends a comedy. being silly with <laughs> names that rhyme. <laughs> oh my god. Blind Pig in Ann Arbor does a Monday night show. I'm hosting it December 13th. Hey, yes. Oh, my goodness. I have been slowly but surely dipping. We were talking about this right before mm-hmm. we started recording. Dipping my toe back in because it's like I don't know if I want to get back in the same it pace. It eats your life so it eats quickly. Like yeah. Before oh, yeah. the pandemic. Sorry, this is off topic. We can we can also circle back oh, to the no, book. No, oh, no, no, no. I just, no. I'm thinking about, because... I love to write comedy, but almost more than I love performing comedy. Same, I'm like, no, I'm such a homebody. Like I want to oh, sit yeah. at home and read. I don't want to be like in a, in a car. bar every night. Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, I like to be in a bar. I like to hang. I just I don't want to drive like two and a half hours to maybe yeah. like just bomb in front of people. I'd rather just write yeah. my jokes and then like I don't know, type them into a joke database, get an algorithm to tell me if they're funny or not, and go to yeah. bed happy. <laughs> I know. But that's not where we live. That's not how our sure world was. works. Or you could have your little there's a lot of ways to do it. Like I've been spoiled in the last few years because I have f- enough big events. Like for a long, long time mm-hmm. I had I had the once a month ohm of medicine show. I have yeah. fifty first jokes. I had um, this holiday show that I do. I have the podcast, yeah. and I'm trying to shape it to where I almost never do those things <laughs> because <laughs> I, when I do them, I'm like, it is fun. Yeah. It is fun, but I, I guess it's just the lifestyle for me. It's the lifestyle. It's is unhealthy for me. It's hard to get back into it if you've taken like a year like a pandemic year off mm-hmm. for the first time since pre-covid i've i've have i am in the middle of a five show five night wow run. and like i used to do this regularly yeah and then wake up at 6 a.m and go to work and like put on ann taylor trousers yeah and now yeah. i'm you know in a sweatshirt that i sleep in oh, two yeah old crispy totally socks slept in this dress yeah. for like, sure yeah my sweaty little feet i'm like how did i do this this yeah. is wild oh god it is and i'm just Maybe I just like sleep more now, or I think we're all just like a little bit sad. Yeah, because I don't of the know. Pandemic. For me, I think it's just like I realized how much that ran me around, ran me around so much. It yeah. made it made the ten minutes I was on stage, or the twenty, even if I had like a really good forty-minute conversation mm-hmm. with someone and was on stage for ten minutes. That's only an hour out of the hour drive there hour drive back two hours waiting for the other comics to do their thing you, you know what i mean it's like a whole the, the, thing. the ratio of activity to preparation yes. is a lot more <laughs> yeah because i mean with writing it's like oh i'm gonna write okay i'm gonna walk to my laptop i'm gonna crack it open i'm gonna immediately start writing instead with comedy it's like i gotta find a show get to the show yeah like Wait. not screw, not get towed parking at the show yeah. Yeah. Like not get so nervous that you forget all of your shit and it was yeah. not worth it or at all. Or that I eat something and wreck my stomach yep. because I'm number twelve on a fourteen lineup yep. and then while I'm waiting I drink too fast or I you know, mm-hmm. just whatever or over analyze my set for an hour. Oh, like, they didn't laugh bite my every fingernails. moment <laughs> that I was up there. Maybe they hate me and I oh, should just quit gosh. forever. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But I'm excited. Comedy's I like fun. <laughs> I, well when I when I do go I'm like, Oh yes, of course this is great. It's wonderful. Um I just get nervous. I'm nervous for tonight. Is that weird? It's 
No, you're fine. No, it's fine. You know your jokes are yeah. good. It's the blind pig. I've never been there before. I'm excited. Oh my god, it's a it's a dive. It's a rock and roll dive. Oh, hell it's yeah. great. I've never actually it's been inside. I'm excited dive. to go. It's the best. It's awesome. Um, I've had so much good times there. Have I ever done comedy there? I cannot even remember. Heckle me tonight, and then you can say you did. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is great. Um, okay, so let's see. Final thoughts on Stephen King's on. I, I could talk about it forever. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I, why, why didn't they talk about Pace? Or why didn't they talk about his wreck more? Or why didn't they talk about his family more? It's because it's an endless discussion. Yeah, the main be thing would be here for days. Mm-hmm. The m- biggest thing I can say about this book is if you like writing at all, even if you just like writing in your journal, read this book. Yeah, you will and be so happy. And if you're like intimidated by nonfiction because you're like, oh my god, what if it reads like a textbook? I don't want to be bored. Like it's no. not. It's like so. It's personal. like a letter from a friend. Yeah, it's like a letter from a friend, and it's and it's good. It's, it's so practical. Good. It's practical and it's motivating. It makes me want to be a better writer. Yup. And it makes me love good writers and appreciate it. Damn it. Yup. Like somebody who understands every single thing he understands. It's good shit. You can get a whole ass class for how much were you? I bought you used. I know, right? 14 bucks? I don't know, something like that? I've had this one forever. And I've probably bought bought these books and given them out to people, for sure. Yeah, I've actually had comic friends give this book to other comic friends. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And the holidays are coming, so buy it for people you like. You have to, or we'll get mad. It's funny, because one of the things that he says about writing classes is people go, I just don't know how to say what I'm thinking. And he says, well... You have to, because <laughs> yep. you're trying to write. We got to uh, get there. We got to get there, yeah. But what I'm trying to say is that I could continually talk about Stephen King's book on writing forever. Same. I hope that you read it and tell me what you think about it. Please. And yes, yes. And suggest other wonderful writing books that I can read yes. as well. And follow Ellie at Ellie Isn't That Funny. That's where I am. That's where That's I live. That's where she is. And uh, send her wonderful prayers for school and oh, writing. Please. And I all beg of, of you. That. And if my little dumb book ever gets published, I will. I'll mail you all the copy. Yay! Yes, and we'll and we'll come on here and we'll talk about yes. it. Yes. Oh, let's oh force goodness. one of our friends to read it. Done. And if they say one mean thing about it, I get to hate them forever. <laughs> That's a good way to wrap up. Yes. Okay. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.